this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Speaking of the union, we have a union member. He's been here before. He's back again. Welcome back, Jeremy. How Thank are you for you? having me again. Doing good. Hopefully, our, I hope my audio is not out of sync. I, I might be either speaking before you or after you. I don't know what's going on. You already but. answered the question that I didn't even ask yet. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> you're, speaking, you're speaking so ahead of me. No, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, you, you've had albums in the past. You've joined us, I think, for roundtables even. A couple well, of them. A couple of them. Maybe Modest Mouse in the past. Was that one of them? No? Jeez, why... Uh. I get everybody trying wrong to, with the trying with to the pin modest mouse on everybody. No, um, no. Uh, uh, so what was it? Um, the first one was uh, albums of ninety, albums of nineteen ninety. I think. Sure. Or it could have been could have been the the sophomore slump revisited for Dada, American Highway oh, Flower. Let, let me pull these up here. We got Ned's Atomic Dustbin. Thank right. you. That Murray was Attaway. Year. year before. B sides of the nineties. Oh yeah. Dada. American Highway Flower. Albums in nineteen ninety and reverse sophomore slump reversed. Is that all is that yeah, everything? Yeah, that should be it. Yeah, that should be it. That's your for full portfolio here at uh Dig Me oh, Dig Me Out. It's your resume. I'm checking it out. Yeah. So what'd you bring us this time? Tell everyone, share the album and the and the artist. So this is a uh, album from 1996, I believe, uh, called Derailer from a band called Little John, not the shitty crunk rapper Little John, an and actual not, band. Uh, Little John from Big Chuck and Little John for all those Clevelanders out there, because that would be Little Little John. Little John. Yeah. Wait. Um, uh, you got turned down for what? from little john so it's not he's not terrible you get that you also get low with the east side boys and he's on yeah by usher which is again classic so let's let's give little john some slack i don't know i just figure we're talking about people that write their own music today so (laughs) zip continue tell us about about little John. john so it's kind of hard to find stuff about them. They don't really have a Wikipedia page. They they actually have a, uh, a Facebook page that I think hasn't been updated in two years. Uh, and the last time it was, uh, the the songwriter in the band and the singer and guitarist, uh, Seth Freeman, I think, just performed, I think, the, this album in its entirety over three separate sessions. Uh, not the greatest performance in the world. It was just him with a, with a guitar um, and like a, a bad mic. So... Uh, but yeah, I, I think they're out of Boston or somewhere near Boston. Um, and uh, like I said, the main guy is Seth. And for, they only did three albums. Uh, in fact, I think this one actually was put out on their own label first, Crane Mountain Records. 
And then they got picked up by EMI. And I think EMI had them re-record uh, Shoelace. And so you, and that ended up, I th- that was the first single I heard from them um, on 97X back in 96. And that, I was like, hmm, this sounds like they might be giants uh, singing over some Dinosaur Junior stuff. So I think I'm going to pick this up and check it out. Um, it's about all I really know, really, about the band. I mean, it's really hard to find anything on them. It, yeah. That is true. Um, what do you know about, so I show on Discogs, they only have two albums. Too Much Fun came out in 2000. And then there's a cassette that came out. It was like a two song cassette in 93, probably a demo cassette plus a couple seven inches. Is there, what is the third album that you're referencing? So the year after this one was, uh, we'll always, we'll always have Ohio. Um, that was put out on, I actually have it here. It was put out on Crane Mountain, but also Beloved, Beloved Entertainment Group. So I guess it was, a, um, I guess they were getting a little bit of help with the distribution there. And then, uh, and then it wasn't until 2000 that Too Much Fun came out. And Too Much Fun uh, is, he has a completely different um, uh, rhythm section. They had the same drummer for the first two albums same bass player for most of the first album and all of the second album the third album is a different drummer and bass player um which i actually just realized i was just looking at the liner notes and i i had originally downloaded those albums from a link that the that seth is it seth freeman is that his name yes um, i think yeah he had something up at one point where he was sharing the albums you could just download them because they're out of print but uh I think three or four songs on We'll Always Have Ohio, he didn't offer for download. He didn't say why, but I think it was probably because they were co-authored by uh, Stefano, who's the bass player. Um, so I ended up picking up the out-of-print albums on Amazon a couple years, about a year ago or so, and then uh, set them by my computer and forgot why I set them there and eventually took them downstairs. And then when I was looking at this stuff to share, I realized I was still missing those tracks in my library. Uh, so I had to bring the CDs back up and import them. They were like, I had 160k tracks. I was like, no, this isn't right. I got to <laughs> fix this. Yeah. So, um, so the only thing I still have 160k on is the thing that's called Number Four, which it's only three songs. So I don't know if you consider that an EP or single with a couple of B sides or what. But I think that was the last thing that they did. I don't even know the album credits on it. Um, that was it. Sometime early, very early in the 2000s, they wrapped it up. It's interesting. It's not listed in in Discogs, but if you go to oldies.com, which I just discovered is a website, you can order a used copy from there. Oldies.com. Make me feel really good. Elderly singles? Yes, seriously. Buy some CDs, meet some people. It's got like In a complimentary tube of Ben Gay with each CD purchase. <laughs> yes. We got some comments over at our Patreon page from our patrons. We'll discuss their votes in the poll at the end of this, but let's talk about some of these comments. Stephen Musinski said an obscure one and done, which is actually not true. It's not even on YouTube. Yes, please. 
this was a really i feel like the more difficult the music is to find people get excited about its obscurity <laughs> we're really doing some archaeology here seriously uh this was a really fun listen the vocal is very distinctive to my ears on a song like shoelace it comes across as a less tortured jay massis even though the music sounds a bit like dino albeit through amps that definitely do not go to 11 or, but for the majority of the album he kind of sounds more like the guy from they might be giants or something which tends not to work as well for me another comparison that came to mind when listening was limb lifter anyway after a few listens i'm a little torn between ep and where the album for me it's an ep i take derailer scared shoelace finally got it down on me and waited down but the songs that don't work aren't necessarily bad songs I think it's just more of a preference thing. So I'm going to call it a worthy album. You responded. I will not read that comment. <laughs> Patrick Testa said, I saw the, they put out a second and third album on a label called Crane Mountain, which Discog shows also releasing four songs. Now we said a couple of seven inches, which you talked about. Wasn't until track five, Evil Knievel, before the vocal showed me some, <laughs> they might be giant isms. But uh, that song reminds me of the President of the United States of America, as does the band in general. I have to add the vocals sound so god darn good. I want to find the independent stuff to hear the difference. The drums are bombastic. Fun album. Willie Dillon said, I like the production on this. Sometimes the singing is a bit silly sounding, and I would say his voice is the weakest link, but overall it's fine. Among the influences already listed in the comments, I can hear some slight Nirvana influence, primarily in the guitar at times, but with a lot of grunge removed. The band is pretty tight overall. Anyway, it's probably a better EP for me as it doesn't really electrify my brain juices. Electrify Ugh. my brain juices will be the yeah, name I... of the next Primus album. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a decent listen. To which Jeremy responded, it's okay, everyone is entitled to their wrong opinion. So much sass. And then uh, Willie said, hey, I thought it was pretty nice. <laughs> I didn't see that. He, uh, he responded almost immediately after you made your um, sassy comment. So, I, Jay, I had not heard of this band. Um, no. I'm guessing you had not either. No, I, no, I had not. Had no expectations, uh, no point of reference whatsoever. The name doesn't clue you in a whole lot either. So, well, Jay, you should have, Why? because this band and their song "Finally Got It" were on the Beverly Hills Ninja soundtrack <laughs> from 1997, starring what, what none other than Chris Farley. I'm sure that didn't leave your CD player for months. So some of the other songs on this soundtrack include uh, Patty Rothberg Kung, covering Kung Fu Fighting, Right Said Fred's I'm Too Sexy, um, Carl Douglas doing the original Kung Fu Fighting, Wars Lowrider, Baltimore Tarzan Boy, The Hazies doing Turning Japanese, um, Lene Lovich from, I'm not sure if the, that's how you pronounce the name. Um, but she's a new wave singer from had solo albums in the late seventies and early eighties. She did, I think we're alone now. And then George Clinton did the end cl closing end uh, song. So a diverse soundtrack that I don't know how little John ended up there with like Blondie and war and 
must have been an uh let me see what what uh label emi that's why it was they this so, was released on emi and the and the and the soundtrack was released on emi well also um uh i heard a story i heard it a couple of times but i heard it again recently uh and i think it had to do with chris farley he i think might have had a tendency to see people in concert and then hit them up and say hey you should be on my next movie soundtrack <laughs> so <laughs> that sounds like what he would do yeah because he did that to i think he did that to uh poster children i can't remember which movie it was but they asked if they could see the movie first and they were turned down and they said well now we don't want to be on the soundtrack then <laughs> dang you know i mean they're kind of political you know it's a little risky you know just saying yeah sure put our song on a soundtrack right, it turns right, out right. That it's, it, who knows i mean if it was chris farley it was going to be like probably a, a safe bet that it wasn't going to be a very political movie i mean i guess right. tommy boy has some political elements to it if you want to yeah. dig down into the uh capitalism versus uh <laughs> It's probably a thesis paper to write on Tommy Boy. Nepotism. Nep- yeah, there you go. Nepotism in 20th century American business, uh, which has caused the decline of the American uh, empire. Ergo, Chris Farley. Let's talk about this record. Jay, tell me one thing you liked about Derailer by Little John. It's got some really clever, legitimate hooks. I found myself walking around the house, uh, singing in the back of my head, derailleur, shoelace, uh, finally got it. Uh, I thought it's really, you know, sharp writing. Um, the vocals are really strong. There's some cool harmonies. Um, and then there's a deceptive, deceptively complex guitar thing going on in this record. Uh, I thought some of the chord progressions were unexpected. Uh, there's a cool range of tones too. There's a some cleans. There's some fuzz. There's some really interesting effects used it, uh, here and there. Even some of the parts I thought were pretty cool. Um, derailleur and shoelace, for example, have this. These guitar parts kind of underneath. They're not like the main riff. They're like the secondary or a um, a layer that really add a a unique tone to the songs um almost sound like they're played backwards or something i don't know what the effect is uh but it just gives this extra layer i think of of complexity and uh makes it sound unique and then it's just a fun um almost like a 90s mixtape you know I, i think it sounds cohesive but i also heard a ton of other bands here and you've mentioned a bunch of them, Tim, um, already in the comments. You know, you start off getting a strong "They Might Be Giants" presence of the USA vibe, but then when you get the shoelace, I was kind of taken aback, not expecting us to take a you know a turn into Dennis or Junior territory.
but also really well written and hooky song. I heard some me puppets. I heard a little Weezer here and there. Um, not not that it was derivative in any way, but it just it reminded me very much of um, you know a particular types of bands in the mid nineties. Um, you know, I think it sounds you know consistent and their own, but it's also kind of fun in that you know it sounds very much of that time and um, kind of takes you back there. So those are some of the things I liked. What worked for you, Tim? Uh, I think what you mentioned is all spot on. And I also, I just really like the energy of a lot of this record. It reminded me, oddly enough, of some of the stuff that Graham Coxon did as a solo artist outside of Blur. Um, Happiness in Magazines is a very poppy, it's almost a power pop record. And some of his solo stuff is very experimental and, and not poppy at all. But that record in particular has two and a half minute long, very tight pop songs with his unique take on guitar playing, which is what I heard, which I connected to him, is that, and I think you brought it up too, there is some really weird but interesting guitar parts that are not the main guitar part, but are just sort of layered in. And it got me thinking about that aspect. Now, obviously, there's songs like Evil Knievel, which have a very presidency of the United States vibe. I actually didn't get They Might Be Giants, other than his voice here and there. But like musically, this was much more in my ballpark than They Might Be Giants is, or are. Um, no accordion. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to do the accordion, um, yeah, it's uh, it's got to be done in a way that I'm going to be able to handle it. And, and they don't. Uh, you know, Shoelace, the, the Dinosaur Jr. comparison is obvious. It sounds like Green Mind era Dinosaur Jr. It's like after they got rid of the lo-fi, but before Jay Masses turned it into a solo extravaganza on uh, like Where You Been and Without a Sound. Like it's in that sweet spot right there where he's still kind of just writing these short, noisy songs. Uh, but even the melody and the part of that song gets into like dinosaur junior j masses territory in certain parts but i didn't think it was enough i mean it sounded like okay well they're from boston and yeah they probably saw dinosaur junior a bunch of times so it's gonna rub off on a noisy guitar rock band i think this is honestly this is like a weird lineage where it's like dinosaur junior and then like this band and then a band like yuck uh in the 2000s which had those dinosaur junior elements with short poppy songs just like a lot of feedback and noise and I like that this is a little bit more refined. There's some really strong songwriting here. Um, there's a lot of like really th- well thought out dynamics. Derailer has them. I mean, that's a short song, and there are a ton of dynamics in that song. Stops and starts, and 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 tempo, and it's just. It sounds like um, I you know was this a three piece when they were together, or is it a four piece, Jeremy? It's been a three-piece all along. I haven't okay. seen anything indicating that they bring like another guitarist on tour, which makes me wonder how they do some of this stuff, how they pull it off. Yeah, I mean, it sounded like I mean, it sounded like a really tight three-piece band that played together for a while, and based on their chronology of putting out seven inches, you know, two three years before this, that makes sense. Because um, I think it 
you know, right out the bat, I mean, Derailer is such a strong song. And really, like, the first, you know, half of this record is just boom, 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 really strong songs. Um, and then they get a little bit more diverse on the back half. But, I mean, it's 35 minutes, which is crazy for a 90s album. Uh, thank God for them. And, uh, yeah, I liked, I just like the overall vibe of it. The, it's, it's a little raw but it's not undercooked like everything sounds even if it's a little bit drier or or not as produced it sounds urgent there's an urgency to a lot of this that i really like you can feel them pushing yeah uh, up against the up against the click track as opposed to just sitting on it and some of that comes from the drumming too yeah one of the comments mentioned uh described it as bombastic which i would agree with oh yeah it definitely that reminded me of of a, of a number of different artists. Um, one, though, that hasn't been brought up, but every once in a while, melodically, he reminded me of like the early Fountains of Wayne. Um, mm. Just because there's like a pop hook in so many of these songs, and that's what they were so good at. Yeah. Jeremy, what... I mean, I... Oh, go ahead, Jay. Well, I was going to throw one other band that... Um came up in my mind was on scared the um the harmony in the chorus it's a very alice in chains melody and and harmony approach that musically it sounds like them but like if you just listen to the vocal like notes um it, it felt like something i could hear um i believe that's a music. fourth jay if there my if my uh stealing from my more musically <laughs> educated friends someone once said that the thing that made allison chain's vocal so amazing is that they always were a fourth away from each other and i was mm. like i don't know that i don't know how to do that but that sounds cool and also, sometimes there's a major fourth, sometimes there's a minor fourth, and it didn't, you know, like this, you know, it it created that tension well, and but really yeah. nice combination. So, Jeremy, what works best for you on this record? Um, probably one. I'm, you know, I the energy is what attracted me first. I mean, the first song that I heard was Shoelace, and I was just like, like. You know, this is this is a lot of stuff that I like about the Green Mind era Dinosaur Jr. Um, but something that this band has that Dinosaur Jr. doesn't really have, you know, and it's not, you know, it's not a criticism of Dinosaur Jr. necessarily, but they 
they kind of have clever lyrics that also kind of hook you in where you're just like, you know, it's a little, it's a little funny and sad at the same time. You know, they're not trying to drag people down. I mean, even when, even though it's a song about a, a, you know, a shitty situation, you know, it's got little funny lines like, uh, uh, what's the one, uh, footprints on the back of my shirt. Um, just, you know, just little things here that you just throw in that I thought were, that's what makes me think of Dinosaur Jr. It's not just, not Dinosaur Jr., but they might be giants. It's not just the, the tone that he has sometimes. It's the, um, just the, the, the quirky lyrics, um, and little expressions here and there that you don't generally, uh, you don't generally hear in, in alternative music, especially in the nineties. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the voice, you know, I can understand that rubbing people the wrong way. Um, I, I hear, you know, a little bit of they, they might be giants. I also, every once in a while, when he slows down, there's a little bit of Willie Nelson in his voice. It's a tiny little bit. And it, it, I was listening to it today and I was like, you know what? He sounded like Willie Nelson for just a minute there. Um, <laughs> uh, so it just makes me wonder where, what all of his influences are, where they, where they were pulling from. But man, that, the drummer is on fire. That's, that's probably the the craziest thing about this album is just even on the slower songs, there's some pretty cool fills and stuff going on. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't skip a single song on the album, but you know, we'll get to the, the things that might be skippable uh, if you're not just going to skip the entire album because of the person's <laughs> vocals. I, I don't know how anyone would, who's listened to nineties, alternative would listen to this and go oh, i don't like the vocal i mean this this hits so many like familiar vocal yeah sounds yeah, yeah. like there's nothing about this that's abrasive or off-putting i mean it, it might be too sugary for some people if they're like into harder music but it really isn't until like never learn has because it's a little bit softer his voice doesn't work for me quite as well on that song but it's not enough to like put me off from listening to the record. Um, and I agree with you like on the, the, again, and then a song like the right choice. I don't necessarily love that like gallopy thing that's going on with the drums, but I recognize that the drums are doing some really cool stuff Damn. in that song. And I think it's, um, is it fell from the sun? One of that's the songs got that, some dynamics in it where you get the drum stops and stuff like that. It's, it's uh, basically the first song of the B side of the album. So it's right after Thin Ice. And so right. Thin Ice has that that fade and it's kind of a slow, honestly, well, I have some things to say about that. But um, yeah, it uh uh the uh Fell from the Sun is is uh one, it's really fast. What is that? What's the time on that? Is that yeah, it's a it's a minute and a half. Minute and a half. Yeah, and the drums are just amazing on that song. And and the band is so tight on that. It's just I, I just think that's a great song. Um, there, there was, and there was another track. Is it not down on me? There's one that has a great distorted bass sound. Maybe it was thin ice. No, not thin ice. I don't know where it's somewhere in the, in there that has a big fuzzed bass and it sounds real nice. Um, but I just, I love the fact that they have a minute and a half long, just blazing dynamic song like fell from the sun which you know some of those dynamic parts remind me of like the who like with the fills that he's doing and like there's a very 
interesting combination of of sounds and and it's this tight little pop rocks approach but then with some very big ideas and performances within those which i enjoyed so if you uh especially if you listen to it loud or or on headphones there's uh there's this thing that they do and i don't know if they do it on purpose and it might part of it might be something that puts people off is i don't know if the bass players sing this it sounds like it's just seth doing another uh vocal line like i I think at times it's three times him and not generally anybody else in the band but he sings like exactly like an octave or two below the melody that he's singing and so it's this low kind of crackly um monotone it kind of sounds like it's monotonous but it's really not i mean it's, it's going with the rest of the melody um and he also seems to like to use this effect. And I think that, that Jay may have been referring to this on, on the guitar. There's like a, uh, a lot of times there's that, that extra layer. I don't know if it's, is it like a, like a, I'm trying to remember what the, what the amplifier is called. It's like a, uh, like an, an organ amplifier, or like a wordlesser amplifier mm-hmm. where it has like a rotating, uh, like a rotating piece inside of it. A Leslie so organ. This, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it sounds, the guitar kind of sounds like that. Um, and it's, it's, it's just this extra layer under the actual guitar melody. Um, but that combined with that croaky low voice, um, I don't know if they're doing it on purpose or not, but I, sometimes it just, sometimes they just come together. And if you don't hate those things, it sounds really cool when you realize how those two pieces are working together. Um, so I wish I, I wish I knew what that was that he's using, what effect he's using. Cause he does use that on at least half the songs on the album uh that 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 weird guitar uh organ sound or maybe there's keyboards i don't see any credits for keyboards though as far as i know yeah i think it's guitar Uh, there's definitely there there's some movement going on there i don't know if it's some phase shifting or yeah like you said like a leslie or combination of both but yeah it what's cool about that is like those then create their own notes and overtones and then those collide with other sounds and and start to make new sonically things happen in your ears when you hear those two things together and yeah. I, I the the other vocal is very unusual like the way he's seeing that um that harmony it, it it is croaky it's like a really low kind of croaky it, it kind of sounds like um what was that that show from the late 80s or the 90s was a small wonder it sounds like if the girl from Small Wonder was supposed to was like singing, you know, it never turns out right. You know, it's just yep. it's um I don't know, it's just it's just kind of robotic in a way. It's weird. Yep. Jay, what doesn't work for you on the record? I'm not a huge fan when the band gets overly quirky. So evil can evil like no. I'm gonna keep it all here inside my Anticipation in the air 
the second half of the record too gets in to kind of a a bit of a rut, I think, in this punk rhythm feel. So from fell from the sun, really through the rest of the record, you know, down on me isn't like that, but a lot of the rest of the what's left to me gets into that 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 groove and it just feels less dynamic to me. Um the songs are okay. It just doesn't feel unique or as original. I hear more They Might Be Giants too in the second half of the record. So to me, it's really, really strong start. And then it starts to fizzle out after Evil Knievel. What did work for you, Tim? Anything else? Um, I agree with you that the first half, I would go up to seven, Fell from the Sun. Like to me, those first seven tracks are super strong each has its own personality but they're all like pushing the envelope in terms of like they feel like they're on the the, especially the up-tempo stuff feels like it's like on the edge like they are on top of it um and then when they start to slow down like on down on me and and sometimes it's only for parts of songs but i don't necessarily love them at a slower tempo it's just it's just not as interesting like i could do 10 songs two minutes each blasting through them. And I'd be happy for that record. Um, Cause when it, when his voice, when it gets into like the more like sing songy mid tempo, less abrasive, it, it sounds like the things that are not as that I don't really listen to. Like they might be giants yeah. or, or just stuff that's, um, I just need a little bit of dissonance and edge with a lot of the music that I'm listening to. It just, I'm always looking for that weird twist and there's some solid tracks, but I don't think that they push the envelope the way that the earlier stuff does. So Jeremy, is there anything on here that doesn't work? Or any particular song maybe that doesn't work that you kick off? Um, well, first of all, I'm surprised that Jay didn't mention this uh, talking about other bands that he hears, but I mean that, that last song on the album, uh, my limit, it, it's, it sounds like you're getting ready to listen to a spin doctor song. Like when that thing starts, you're like, Oh, is this, is this going to be spin doctors? Did that, did I put the, what happened here? Did that just change to a different disc? What's going on? Um, it's just, it's got, if you just go back and listen to it, thinking spin doctors, you'll be like, Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, I still oh like God. the song. <laughs> yeah. That drum fill totally. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then, <laughs> um which I don't really I don't have the uh the um I mean I'm I'm okay with the spin doctors, you know. And, you know, I, I don't really they don't bother me that much. I've made my piece. I like. I've made yeah. my piece. Um but uh thin ice, which would be the the closing the if you had it on a cassette, that would be the closing track on the A side. Um Again, I like the song, but to me, it feels incomplete. Um, what I think it's only a couple of minutes. Or, oh, so it's three minutes. For what the song is made up of, should have been two minutes. And I, I don't even know. It feels like it's incomplete. Like they, they, uh, it kind of does that little do 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 part, you know, just over and over again. And then it takes forever for it to fade out. Um, uh, but the reason that I'm okay with it is because I feel like it's still a really great lead in to fell from the sun. 
like you hit that beginning of the b-side and that song kicks in and first you just he he does this kind of slightly off-key singing of the main line of the song and then the, so you're thinking oh this is going to be kind of slower again and then the song kicks off and it's a minute and a half of just insanity so um so i mean there, there's nothing on here that i skip um but again i got this back in the day when you buy a cd and you might like one or two songs and you uh you know you're open to the rest of them but then as you listen to it and it gets more cohesive for you you just end up liking the whole thing so you know if you had if you gave this to me now where i could easily just pick a couple of songs and put them in a playlist and move on i probably I don't, I don't know what would happen but uh as it stands i have such a history with it that i just like every single song on the album yeah i um there's a couple like weighted down has some interesting stuff like there's some interesting note choices um vocally it makes it sound darker and i don't know that i necessarily like i'm 100 percent on board with that because i just like the pop side of it i was trying to think like fell from the sun sounds like something to me and i can't put my finger on it um like a pixie song it's almost like a like a pixies meets red cross meets like there's this like a like building bombast to that song and the choruses that reminded me of something like a little more more uh adventurous not that this band isn't adventurous but like like a band that pushes that maybe it's even like a jellyfish thing that there's just like a little bit more happening with that particular song from the way that they build the parts and the and the melody and the main part um but I didn't somebody mentioned in the comments about maybe it was Willie um that he thought the voice was the weakest link, and I don't really think so. I think it's the the weak link on the songs that don't necessarily work for me, but I think in the songs that do work, I think it actually works really well. I don't really have an issue. Jay, you have an issue with his voice? Uh I I would I only have an issue when the songs aren't great. <laughs> so right and i don't know if that's a combination of the two like there's certain songs to fit his voice better and it works better or if the songs were sung by other people they would change um i i feel like he has enough range like to me that they might be giants has like one note like he, oh, they always just sound like that every every line every song every everything always sounds the way that they, they sound and i don't feel like that happens here like we go to he shifts around enough that I'm like, oh, it's kind of like feels like a little bit like Weezer or feels a little bit like Fountains of Wayne vocally or like there's enough range in there where it um, it doesn't bother me and he's in key and, you know, <laughs> is, is technically a good singer. So this came out in what, 96 we mentioned? Is that what yeah. it was? This This to me strikes as a perfect example of either they get one novelty hit or they're not going to break through. Oh. Yeah. Um, like derailleur or, or shoecase. I mean, even, even Knievel, evil Knievel, if you had the right video for that song. Oh, totally. You could totally get a video for that. On it's a, it's a hooky song. Yeah. I just don't like it, but I, I like, don't like a lot of the 
late nineties hit songs because for that reason, like they were like goofy novelty songs. Yeah. Right. Whereas and, and think, often didn't represent what the bands did. And and Derailers the a great leadoff track. probably get away with this that is like a single i don't know this was on emi so i imagine they pushed it to at least college radio so but i i do not recall this band at all this is my this is my assistant music director era of of college radio and i don't know i don't remember this coming in so there were were 50 a week but i think i think on 97x on woxy they they played Shoelace. That's the only song I ever remember hearing from them. And for a, a little stretch, I think it was kind of in their their medium rotation. Uh, my best guess is, is that somebody at the station, you know, probably liked it and was pushing for it a little bit. But, um, you know, probably six months after the first time I heard it, I don't I don't know if I ever heard it again on the radio. Interesting. Um, it was it was short lived, and yeah, they'd never really followed up with anything else. I, I honestly, I think that this is a situation where, what what alternative hit album did EMI have? What, what when did they even come close? I mean, the last thing when I think EMI, the last thing I think about is is Empire from uh, Queensrÿche. Um, I think that's on EMI, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. It is. Yeah, that's like the last hit that I remember from EMI. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I think what they were doing is they probably were just saying, well, we're getting ready to, we're going to fold here soon. So let's just take, take what money we have and, and see if we can pick up like one quirky alternative act to cash in on what we haven't been able to cash in on this entire decade. And, you know, and then, and then whatever marketing efforts they had just fizzled out because they probably spent everything on in advance and, and recording and maybe a few other albums and that was it. I mean, Didn't is EMI to, still around? Well, I was going to say, I think like in the 90s, they're primarily a UK label. Um, well, it looks like they had... I'm looking at what their 90s um, releases were like. You know, yeah, it's a lot of... Uh, well, I guess they had... Yeah, they had Queensryche. Red, they had Red, Ch- Red Hot Chili Peppers. Maybe that was just for. That must have been before they signed a Deaf yeah. American or whatever. Yeah, that was the earlier records. Um, you know, they had the Blow Monkeys and Morrissey, uh, Cowboy Junkies. Uh, some of these are just singles and stuff as well. But wasn't Blur on EMI? 
they might have been because I know they did the song B-L-U-R-E-M-I, which I assume was a reference to. I, I think so, too. The label. Um, yeah, and I mean, that that album did OK. I mean, it didn't do as well as a self-titled, but. Um, no. I mean, they had they had the Mock Turtles, they had Chapter House, they had Teapaw. Uh, there, you know, it's right said Fred. I, the right said Fred, I'm too sexy single came out on EMI. Oh so there you God. go. Would that have been the late 90s? Were we 91. just talking about novelties? Oh. If you go to Discogs and go to the EMI records, you got a lot to sort through. 17,000 releases to get through. Yeah, I wish I would let you filter them by type. Yeah, they don't, they don't make it easy on you. Huh. It does say they went on hiatus and the label was relaunched as a label by Universe, Universal uh, in 2020. I don't know how long that hiatus was. But yeah, weird. I guess so EMI and then there's also is not a label. It's a I guess a prof a publishing company for music. I don't know. Maybe that's what Blur was mad about. That's why they wrote that song. Uh let's get into our overall ratings on this record. Were the album better EP decent single? We'll give the Patreon results in a moment, but Jay, where do you land on Derailer by Little John? I'm at an EP. It's really, uh, really a tale of two sides here for me. I I think everything up through Down on Me minus Evil Knievel. So Derailer, Scared, Shoelace, finally got it. Then Ice fell from the sun and Down on Me. Um, I'm all in on and then after that it gets spotty of either sort of punk rhythms or just plotting or funky things just stuff that's just not as strong and um, I think at that point the voice does start to come out pop out to me as as being less uh, original and uh, as the songs get gets get softer the uh, the voice kind of stands out as is not an, a plus so uh, really strong EP for me though. What about I'm you? I'm going to I'm going to agree with you pretty much the same. I'm going to take like the first seven songs, and that's my EP, which is probably about fifteen eighteen minutes. minutes. 15, yeah, yeah, something there, something in there. I mean those those are all really tight. I like a lot of that stuff that is up tempo and and pushing the um pushing the tempo forward so yeah i i think a lot of people who probably have never heard this record are probably going to be like what i want to check this out and then we're going to be like no you can't because you can't stream it anywhere you'll never find it haha <laughs> so maybe seth could get this on some streaming services since uh emi is not doing that just yeah. join us at dmounion.com and uh, or that we'll hook you up. Jeremy, tell us where the album better EP decent single. I'm going to guess not a decent single. No, no, I, I would I would give it a worthy album. Again, how would I feel about it if I had it now? You know, where I have way much more to listen to, um, and you know, I'm not 
buying a CD and committing to it for a while to see how I feel. But I mean, I, I, I don't recall listening to it for the first time. Like, uh, you know, I don't have like a solid recollection of it, but I really do feel like when I listened to this the first time, I was pretty happy with the entire album. Um, um, I, I, I think if there was anything that kind of bothered me after listening to it a couple of times, it was probably the way that thin ice fades out and the song just doesn't feel complete to me. Um, but, uh, then it does, it, it's a perfect lead in for the next song. So I end up appreciating it for another reason. So, um, I mean, I can see how the, the second half gets a little, you know, it doesn't have quite that energy, especially of the, the, you know, the majority of the first half of the album, but I'm, I'm not the, like the, they might be giants feel, which is kind of what you get when they slow down, even though there's a little bit more vocal melody, you, you can probably find some more vocal melody and some later, they might be giant stuff too. Uh, but, um, uh, um, I don't know. I just, it doesn't, it doesn't bother. It doesn't bother me enough. I mean, I appreciate the songs. I like quirky stuff, even if it's a little bit slow. Um, honest, I still agree that Evil Knievel was probably one of the weaker points on the album just because it's, it's a little too obvious. Like it's, a, it's basically a song about smoking pot. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's just too blatant, you know? Um, and it's not, you know, clever, uh, hooky songs about failed relationships and stuff like that. So it's, it's not, I don't know. It is a little bit of an outlier, but I'm okay with it. I give it a worthy album still. Well, the majority of our voters agree with you, Jeremy. 67% went worthy album. 17% went better EP and 17% went decent single. So it was a tie for better EP and decent single. But the, uh, the, the crowd has spoken and they have turned their back on us, Jay. <laughs> they went like this. They put the thumbs down to us and our better EP. So, uh, Confidence is shaken. We'll have to rebuild. We appreciate that. our honesty, though, right? Even I hope so. Agree with us. Uh, right? When I was searching for images, by the way, the only one that I found of the CD was of the promo copy. Uh, oh, you mean uh, with the stamp on the disc? Yeah, I don't yeah. think that this was actually released without that stamp. Yeah, because every picture has it. Maybe that was done on purpose. I mean, it's, I, I don't have a cutout, but they put a they put the zigzag through the uh, barcode. So mm-hmm. good luck scanning this with good luck scanning this at a POS terminal. That'll be a big issue. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for bringing this album to the podcast, Jeremy. Uh, we would have never discovered it without you. Literally, it's a it, it's not out there for people to discover. So Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Just uh, I I was trying to I kind of mentioned it when I emailed you I was trying to bring something to the table that wasn't streaming um, and it was out of print uh, and my original idea started streaming about eight months ago so I had to go to this one and my original idea is doing pretty well in the in the recent polls but it's it's in a, a bit of a fight with um, uh, I'm trying to think of what the other album is that it's in a fight with right now for the top spot. Well, um, we should let people know that we have weekly polls going on now. Uh, we have a tournament style June poll thing happening. We've already done group one. There's going to be three groups. We're in group two right now as we record this. 
And at the end, we will have a, a final shoot off or shootout. Right, right Rancid now, is the other album. Yeah, we're tied poster children and Rancid. Yeah. So the, uh, t- the top two go through. So hmm. it's looking like those both of those will go through. Well, there you go. Yeah, there's nothing close, nothing in double digits like the way that uh, Poster Children and Rancid are. So we're going to have a real uh, interesting group once we get to the final uh, at the end of the month. I like this. It provides a weekly uh, opportunity for everybody to argue. (laughs) That's just what we need. More arguing. Uh, and the one group one winners were Heat Miser, Cop and Speeder, and the Matthew Good Band, Beautiful Midnight. Wait, so there was three winners the first? No, two. That was two. Oh, oh there's two. It's just a very it, Matthew Good Band and Beautiful Midnight sounds like two bands. Got it. <laughs> so Cop and Speeder sounds like a band too. Yeah, it does. Heat Miser record. It was Heat Miser Cop and then Speeder? <laughs> mm. All right, cop and speed. So Heat Miser, Matthew Goodband, and then it's looking like, as we said right now, Poster Children Rancid. So you'll have to find out what the third one is by joining us at Patreon. And then you get to vote in it. You also get to vote in our uh, various other album uh, polls for like this album, where you can vote in whether it's a worthy album or a better EP or decent single. You also get access to our 80s episodes which will be recording a new one. Excuse me. Recording a new one very shortly. Uh, that was a, a previous poll. And uh, you can check what, out all the... What are we doing? What are we doing? The replacements. Who's that? I'm kidding. And we're doing an album that they named very graciously after me. It's called Tim. It's called Minichi? Yes. <laughs> All the songs reference my childhood. Like Bastards of Young. I'm sure you've heard that. <laughs> yes. That's me. That song Obviously. is about me. Obviously. We are the sons of no one, the Bastards of Young. That's what I used to say when I was three. <laughs> now give me my pudding. Now give me my pudding, bitches. Uh, let's talk about... How these albums ended up in our hopper, that's by going to digmeoutpodcast.com. You go to our Suggest an Album link, drop it in the form, it ends up in our hopper, and then Zora, the hopper master, uh, (laughs) doles them out. She can put that in her resume, hopper master. It's like hops. It's like she's stirring. Oh, you worked in a a brewery? Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Uh, And you can also read the box newsletter. Uh, at dig me at our Patreon by signing up for it at digmeoutpodcast.com. That's a weekly newsletter that we send out two new reviews of 80s and 90s relevant music, movies, books, TV shows, documentaries, what have you, and uh, a re- new release calendar. So much stuff being released every week, it's hard to che- keep track of it. All the all the COVID releases that didn't come out are now coming out. So we got like four or five albums every week we could talk about of new releases it's uh it's very 90s-esque to be honest but there's so much music coming out and lastly apple podcast is where you go if you like what you heard and you want to leave us some positive feedback jeremy thank you for joining us thank, thank you, you for making the pick we look forward to chatting with you on the boards 
and um, we look forward to what you have in store next year. Hopefully, it'll be even more obscure, and it might not even uh, have ever been released on CD. It was only a cassette with a napkin that was scribbled. All right. I have something in mind that is obscure. It was Excellent. something that I... I, I put it in the hopper, but I don't think I think it fell out. Um, and it's it's um, it's going to be weird. Not not really weird, but you're going to be like, where did this come from? We got a year have, to prep. I'm just yeah. letting you know, I don't have a cassette deck anymore, so yeah. I need to I need to rip a temp 3 or something. For I have so. one, but it doesn't work. I need to get it to work. I have my boombox from when I was a kid, and the radio still works, but the cassette deck is melted yeah I, I discovered my cassette deck which i loved and had you know it was it's a great it was a great piece when i got it but i think it just sat for so long that yeah. it had um it was belt driven and the belts mm-hmm. just deteriorated and i opened it up and i'm like i'm never gonna find all these belts again so i just threw it out <laughs> right yeah. uh i can't get rid of mine because on the cassette deck window I stuck a garbage pail kid sticker that says tongue tied Tim. And I can't ever get rid of that. So it's just going to sit in my, it's in my garage. I, when I'm working in the garage building or fixing something, I put on the radio and I always put on like a classic rock station, like a true dad. So I can listen to Boston and Aerosmith while I'm, I was hoping you were going to say you like uh, put in an Eddie in the cruisers cassette or something. No, I th- I throw on the classic rock station. I want you some just Ari- have one, I need Ario Speedwagon. One like just vintage early eighties cassette that you just <laughs> just sitting there ready to go in. What I need is an eight track player that in the garage with a bunch of eight tracks in the in like a wooden uh, shelf mm-hmm. I can pop in, so I can so I can hear a song and then have it cut off right in the middle and have to flip the. A track over to get that authentic experience. Yes, exactly. All right, for JM Tim, we're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Yeah.